Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. How big is our God? It's actually impossible to truly understand, but I guarantee that your picture of God is smaller than it could be and should be. In this identity episode, we will attempt to increase your view of the power and grandness of God because the smaller God is to you, the more you limit your understanding of who you are in Him. How can you harness the power and authority of God that He has given you to fulfill the plans He has for you? The song Champion by Dante Bow does a wonderful job of showing you a picture of what it looks like when you're operating with the power and authority that is yours as a child of the living God. The lyric video link for that song is below for this episode on pattyej.podbean.com site. Here are some of the lyrics that stood out for me in that song. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won, I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly places, undefeated, with the one who has conquered it all. When I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority Jesus has given me. When I open my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority Jesus has given me. The word for the power we have in Christ is dunamis. It means the power that comes through God to us from miraculous power, force, might, the ability to perform marvelous works. This word is used 120 times in the New Testament. All power is received by God. So dunamis is needed for everything we do in life to really grow in sanctification and to prepare us for heaven, our eventual glorification. The power related to God himself is the word dunamai, which means I am the power, I can, I am able. It is where his name, Almighty God, comes from. If God is all might and power, you can't have any strength or power apart from him. But we know that we can have power through him because he gives us that authority. When we accept the gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit indwells our hearts, which grants us the authority to release God's power. One of the reasons that we pray and seal our prayers in the name of Jesus is because we are claiming our authority given to us by him. In the Bible story where Peter and John prayed to heal the paralyzed beggar, we see this authority being used. See the entire story in Acts 3, 1 through 18. But we will look at Acts 3, 4 through 9. But Peter, along with John, stared at him intently and said, Look at us. And the man began to pay attention to them eagerly expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name, authority, and power of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, begin now to walk and go on walking. Then he seized the man's right hand and with a firm grip raised him up. And at once his feet and ankles became strong and steady, and with a leap he stood up and began to walk, And he went into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. It is interesting that Peter and John stared at the man intently. What were they doing? They were seeking God to see and hear what he wanted them to do. We learned in another episode that seeing and hearing in the Spirit and only doing what God says and shows you to do is how you pull down miracles from heaven. 
Once they knew exactly what Jesus wanted them to do and say, they prayed it out loud with his authority. Jesus taught us to do this in John 5:19. So Jesus answered them and said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the son can do nothing of himself of his own accord, unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever things the father does, the son in his turn also does in the same way. As a child of God, you do not need to come to the Lord as a beggar. You have his authority to agree with what you see and hear him doing and speak into reality miraculous things, just like Peter and John did. This is exactly the same way Jesus demonstrated for us by his own life to do it. The Lord gave me this metaphor to help me understand the levels of his power. Jesus said, Here is a simple metaphor that you can understand about this relationship. You need electricity to power your house. The power company is the source of that electricity. When you move into a new place, you make an agreement with the power company to send power to your house. The power company is the source of that electricity, and they seek for you to pay a bill once a month as your part to be able to receive that power. Once that agreement is made and the power is accessible to you, when you want lights turned on in your own house, you don't need to call the electric company each time and tell them to do that for you. You simply flip a switch because you have access to that power and the ability to manage it because you're doing your part of that agreement. You simply flip the switch on the wall and all that accessible power turns your lights on. You're not the source of the power, but you are the one who influences what the power does inside the boundaries of your home. Your salvation decision is an agreement that gives you access to my power. When you live with me and you live according to my will, this is the condition you must meet. You can release the supernatural power quite effectively and easily. Now imagine that you have paid the bill to the electric company, but no one explains to you that it's just a matter of flipping the switch on the wall to receive the electricity and you live your entire life having paid the bill for electricity, but never accessing the power. This is exactly what happens when people accept me as their savior and then leave my power dormant in their hearts. In order to operate your power and authority, you must first understand it. There are several reasons for you to want to understand the spiritual realms of authority. One reason is that it helps to ensure that what you do is within God's anointed boundaries. Anything you do outside of God's anointing is a dead work. Another is that it helps you respect God's role and responsibility and yours so that you don't get in his way. God will not do your job and you are quite unqualified to do his job. Yet this is one of the biggest problems in Christianity today we unknowingly get in God's way. The more you understand the realms of authority, the more you will be able to operate within them for your kingdom purpose. And the more you understand spiritual realms, the easier it is for you to see the enemy's strategy and address them offensively. You should never be afraid of the enemy. The enemy should always be afraid of you. And when you understand the power you have as a child of God, that's exactly what happens. Note the tension in this passage of scripture 
from 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 15, that contrasts the difference between those who understand their authority and those who do not. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 15, but just as it is written, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him, and who gratefully recognize the benefits that he has bestowed. For God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsel and things far beyond human understanding. For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God, Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. We also speak of these things, not in words taught or supplied by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words for those being guided by the Holy Spirit. But the natural, unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teaching and the revelations of the Spirit, for they are foolishness, absurd and illogical to him, and he is incapable of understanding them, because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated, and he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. But the spiritual man, the spiritually mature Christian, judges all things, questions, examines, applies what the Holy Spirit reveals, yet is himself judged by no one, The unbeliever cannot judge the understanding of the believer's spiritual nature. In order to be trusted to release God's power by his authority, you must have the experience of his presence. It is this intimacy that builds the trust required to release God's love and light. It is important to want his presence more than his power. To seek his power over his presence is to have the wrong heart motivation. It's looking past him for his blessings and his blessings come from him and cannot be accessed without him. You must experience God's nearness for yourself. I remember Tommy Tenney saying in his book, God Chasers, intimacy will bring about blessing, but the pursuit of blessing won't bring about intimacy. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus alone, not on outcomes you desire or what you want him to do for you. Just being with him will cause blessings to happen for you because God knows your every need. To this point, I ask the Lord, what more do you want to say or show me about your presence? And the Lord showed me a gentle sprinkler, a power washer, and a tidal wave. What do these things mean, Lord? He said, your physical body cannot handle the full measure of my presence. I give you a taste, a glimpse of who I am little by little as you spend time with me in the word, prayer, and in communion and in these encounter experiences. This is like the sprinkler. It's refreshing and edifying. The power washer represents when you are able to handle more and more of my powerful presence and I begin to equip you for greater measures of anointing. Your impact and influence grow with an increasing measure of my presence, and you can begin to do miraculous things through my power. The tidal wave is the level of my presence that only your new heavenly body will be able to handle. That body will be created to be able to handle eternity in my presence. 
That level would certainly kill someone in a human body. Abiding in my presence raises your level of tolerance for increased levels of my power. Wow, that's super cool, Lord. Thank you for helping me grow in all the levels of your presence. You continue to give me more and more experiences and encounters that show me who you are, and I appreciate this metaphor. I will continue to increase my power and my level of presence as I can handle it. Power washers are effective to clean dirty things, too. And Jesus said, yes, exactly. As you encounter me more and more, you will want to clean up more and more of your own life. As I shed these areas off you and clean them up, you become more equipped to handle the things I have for you. To do, like teach, write, speak, serve. As you learn these new things about God's power and authority, and as you see his face for an increased anointing, you will continue to grow in wisdom and authority and will be more equipped to release God's love and power in increasing levels. Ephesians 1, 13-14 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result believed in him, were stamped with the seal of the promise of the Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ, as owned and protected by God. The Spirit is the guarantee, the first installment, the pledge, and the foretaste, of your inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possessions, his believers, to the praise of his glory. This verse reveals God's promise to seal the Holy Spirit and your salvation. This ensures increasing capacity to grow in levels of anointing. This promise confirms that believers are stamped and sealed as children of God at the moment of salvation. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image, from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Once sealed, this verse shows the progression toward our maturity in Christ. We did an entire episode about the maturity in Christ, where the Lord revealed what all high fruit-bearing Christians have in common. Notice in that verse that we need to continually see God. Fixing your eyes on Him is the way you grow from glory to glory. Where there is God's presence, there is His glory. And where there is His glory, there is His anointing. What does it mean that you are a citizen of heaven? A citizen is a person who legally belongs to a kingdom or nation and is entitled to the rights and protection of that place. A citizen is one who adopts the cultural practice and abides by the laws of that kingdom or nation. All born-again believers are citizens of heaven. There are three stages or steps to your walking in that citizenship. The first is to understand that you are a citizen of heaven, and that citizenship overrides your earthly citizenship. Philippians 3, 18-20 says, for there are many of whom I have told you, and now tell you even with tears, who live as enemies of the cross, rejecting and opposing his way of salvation, whose fate is destruction, and whose God is their belly, their worldly appetite and sensuality and their vanity, and whose glory is their shame, who focus their mind and earthly and temporal things. And we are different, of course, because our citizenship is in heaven, and from there, we eagerly await the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The second is that because you are a citizen of heaven, you should be different. 
Your citizenship should be distinguishable from your earthly citizenship. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in His plan and purpose for you. And thirdly, your life should be proof or evidence of your heavenly citizenship. Your life will reveal the difference. The entire chapter of Hebrews 11 is considered the heroes of faith chapter in the Bible, and it shows the story of faithful servants that lived lives of great faith and dedication. They kept their eyes on the promises beyond this natural world. This passage of scripture is speaking of Abraham's faith. Hebrews 11, 9-10, By faith he lived as a foreigner in the promised land, as in a strange land, living in tents as nomads with Isaac and Jacob, who were fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was waiting expectantly and confidently, looking forward to the city which has foundations, an eternal heavenly city whose architect and builder is God. I asked the Lord to help me understand the relationship between the kingdom of heaven or spiritual realm and the natural realm in this world. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is the spiritual realm. It is around, among, and inside of you. Like oxygen, you can't see it, but it is everywhere around, among, and within you. This kingdom is centered around my will. There is a veil separating the spiritual and physical worlds. The spiritual realm is around you with angels helping, protecting, and intervening on your behalf. Demons are also around you, menacing as you give them authority to do so. An entire world of spiritual activity surrounds people without their awareness. In this sense, the kingdom is around you. There is also an activity of the headquarters of heaven. This is the command central of all spiritual activity, the heart of God in the throne room of heaven. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in the hearts of believers, the fullness of the Godhead is inside of you. So the fullness of the kingdom is inside you as you connect with my mind, will, and emotion. You have the ability to tap into me in the spirit. This is the kingdom inside you. Remember this important lesson about childlike faith related to connecting the kingdom inside you. It is an incredible privilege to be able to see things in the spiritual realm, and we don't want to take it for granted. What a gift that we have that we can encounter the living God the way we do. In the Power of Childlike Faith episode, you learned that childlike faith is essential to living the Christian life. Here's what Jesus taught us about that in the scriptures. John 3:33 says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. This is why we connect with Jesus as a child when tapping into the kingdom inside of us. Jesus had this to say about that. 
Because each child of God is part of the kingdom plan, I knit together people in groups and in unity and partnership for kingdom purposes. When two or more of my children are gathered in my name, the kingdom is among you, multiplied. Again, I say the kingdom is all aligned with my will. This is why I taught you to pray in Matthew 6, 9 and 10. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My heart's desire is for my kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. My kingdom is characterized by my holiness, sovereignty, love, and righteousness. When my people reflect the kingdom, it transforms the earth. This is my kingdom among you. Let's address the fluency of the language of the heart. The Lord speaks to you using the language of the heart, which includes spontaneous pictures, stories, emotions, music, thoughts and feelings, sensations, and creative inspirations. It's important to note that it's called the language of the heart because it is your spirit's language. It's not your body or your brain that is engaging with the Lord when you receive messages with God. Don't get in God's way by thinking that you need to be smart enough to receive or understand this language. It has nothing to do with your brain. This is a spirit-to-spirit connection, your spirit connecting with God's spirit when you encounter God. The easiest way to learn any language is with immersion. Synonyms for the word immersion in the thesaurus include words like engagement, engrossment, fascination, intentness, raptness, preoccupation, captivation. These are highly focused words. Yet living in a country is the easiest way to pick up a language. It's much less effort than studying sentence structure in a classroom, which is just engaging your brain and not any of your other senses. Immersing yourself in encounters and experience in a cultural context engages all of your senses and gives you a live context for what the word means. When our daughter Noelle was four years old, our family went on a ski vacation in Montreal and Quebec, Canada. We were immersed in a French-speaking culture for 10 days. People spoke to us in French all day, and even the television cartoons were only in French. Noelle was able to understand and began speaking French by the short exposure to the language by experience. We were astonished how quickly she was able to understand and speak it. Likewise, living with the Lord is the easiest and quickest way to learn His language too. Simply being with the Lord often will make you fluent in recognizing all the ways in which God communicates. When you connect with God using the language of the heart, You are meeting him directly, seeing, feeling, thinking, and sensing things from his perspective. One of the ways to know if you are connecting with God is to recognize when you're not. Sensing when he somehow feels distant, or when you're failing to properly reflect his love in a certain circumstance, are examples of this. The Lord coined the phrase switches for me in recent months, referring to times when you know you need to switch from your perspective to his. Let's look at nine ideas the Lord gave me that would switch you from your perspective to his. Number one, be honest with yourself and with God. 
When God feels distant, it's more because of you than it is for him. God's word promises that he will never leave or forsake you, and he knows everything anyway, so you might as well have an open-hearted posture and be real with God, even if what's on your mind is that you're mad at him. It's not like he will fall off his throne. He knows this anyway. Number two, speak scripture out loud. Speaking scripture activates the sword of the spirit, which immediately brings you into God's presence. Number three, worship by praising God and speaking or singing in tongues. Tongues is cooperating with the Holy Spirit and surrendering your mouth so that he may pray perfect prayers over you. And worship opens the gates of God's presence. Four, call upon God's names. God's names have his power. This is one of the reasons we pray in Jesus' name. Simply saying any of the names of God is an invitation for that aspect of God to come to your aid. Number five, take a break. Striving in your own strength is the wrong heart posture to hear from God. Taking a walk in nature and just enjoying God's creation without thinking about connecting with God will relax your heart and the Lord is more easily able to connect with you. Number six, Breathing deeply slows down your heart rate and relaxes you, and it'll put you in the alpha brainwave. Breathe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Breathe out stress and anxiety. Breathe in anything related to God's names and characters or promises, and breathe out the opposite of those things. See Jesus. Visualization is a powerful intervention because you will remember more what you experience with Jesus then you will about what he says to you in the spirit. Strengthen your capacity to see him by practicing looking for him in your special place and asking for him to expand that place on a regular basis. Number eight, ask him for an increase of the fluency of the language of the heart. And remember to immerse yourself, prioritizing your time with him as a sacred holy habit. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com slash shop. And remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. In today's encounter, we're going to be asking the Lord to give us some insight about what it really means to be a citizen of heaven. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving, and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. So for today's encounter, I want you to visit the special place 
Really look and see and smell and touch and allow the Lord to show you more and more there. And then when you see Jesus there, what I want you to do is ask him to help you understand what it means that you are a citizen of heaven. Ask the Lord to give you some practical ways that you can live out the truth of your citizenship in heaven here on earth. Ask the Lord to give you a metaphor or a picture of the power that you have as a citizen of heaven and some specific ways that you can exercise that power in your circles of influence. Take all the time you need and make sure you capture all of it in your journal. I hope you and Jesus had a wonderful conversation about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and that you will learn how to exercise greater levels of authority and power as the daughter or son of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.